Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Manchester campus. Tonight, Better Together, the sermon is about uh, the way we love. And the way that the pastors at this church determine how they're going to have the sermons and what we're going to speak on and all that kind of stuff is kind of a unique but cool way. So the pastors get together and they do what they call a collaborative, where it's not just one person's here's what we're going to do. It is all the pastors get together and they, being led by the Spirit, decide what the Spirit is saying and what they're going to preach on. And then it's everybody interjecting their ideas about that, Spirit-led ideas, of course, and then they put that together and they give it to each of the pastors that are going to preach and then they take that... If I fumble with this, I'm sorry. It's just... uh, So they take that material and then you kind of digest it, you add what you want to it, uh, and then you present it. And I say all that because... I, my work schedule doesn't yet allow me to be a part of this collaborative. And so the material I was given starts off with a story, or really a testimony, if you will, about the church staff and the church pastors. Not just the pastors, but the staff during one of the staff meetings that they have every week. And there was this exchange that happened, and in the notes it said, Kevin S., you will have to choose a different story to share. And as I read through that, I'm like, no, I don't think I will. Not because I'm insubordinate or because I don't know how to um, follow authority. It was more because the, what was shared in that paragraph was completely appropriate for the sermon. So we're talking about being better together, about the way that we love. And this testimony was how the pastors... I'm going to move around a lot because these polls do create, you know, line of sight issues. So... If it looks like I'm nervous, it's just more because I want to walk around and <laughs> so everyone can see me. So the, this story has everything to do with the pastors coming together, and I don't know what led up to it. It doesn't even matter. But the pastors took some time to have it out with each other, if you will, and take some time to be honest with one another and to not confront people. It wasn't like, you know, like a cage match or something where, all right, you're in and anything like that. It was more... I expect that the leadership sensed that they needed to clear the air. Have you ever been at that moment where you feel like you need to clear the air? Well, (laughs) you guys are chuckling. I thought it was more serious than that. (laughs) Nervous laughter. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So the pastors come together. The, The pastors and the staff of this church, of this part of God's body, come together. And they basically clear the air with each other. They take a time to share about hurts. They took a time to share about just some, some rough edges, some things that had happened that just caused... And they prayed with one another, and they moved on. And why I think that's appropriate to share is because real relationships take time. They take truth, which is being honest with one another, And they also take transparency. You know, in the line of work that I do, it's going to sound a lot cooler than it actually is, but in the line of work that I do, I deal with money. And they say the best way to spot something counterfeit is to spend all your time studying the stuff that's real. 
And all of us would agree that what we want to do in the body of Christ is to be real with one another and not be counterfeits. Amen? Because who can, everyone can spot a counterfeit. So this staff and the pastors of this church are committed to not only building each other up and telling each other how cool they are and how wonderful that was and this was, which is obviously important, but they took the time to be honest with one another, to be transparent and truthful with one another about some of the difficulties. Because if you are a believer, then you know that the one person, if we want to call him that, who would want to use little things to just drive wedges and create problems and create a mess is the enemy of our soul. And so I just am like, that is so awesome that we have a leadership that is committed to doing even the difficult work of relationships. So real relationships take truth. They take uh, tenacity. They take that too. But uh, when I say transparency, as well as time. In our culture, in our society, we have developed this trend and we have developed this way that we live called social media. And what, in effect, we have done is we have convinced ourselves that we are in real community with one another because you are following somebody's Facebook post about everything they eat for dinner and what their dog ate for dinner. (laughs) And what it has begun to do is erode our ability to be in community with one another. And what it has done is created this really counterfeit relationships. It's almost fake book, if you will. Now, I have been Facebookless for five years now, so I'm proud of that. <laughs> I, this isn't a diatribe about uh, how awful social media is, but it's important to start off about real relationships and highlighting how we have allowed culture and uh, society, and in this case, social media, to affect how we relate to one another. Because when you are following somebody on Facebook, how many of you have friends that you don't even know? No one wants, oh, you guys all have friends. <laughs> or people, you know, in the beginning it was a badge of honor to have as many friends as you could, so you were just friending everybody and anybody. And nothing says real relationship, like, who is this person? And then you get all these weird things, and you have to block them because you don't want people to see that and think that you're connected with that awful stuff. But what's happened in the process is that Facebook creates this sort of Brady Bunch look into your life. That it's the ideal life that you're posting for the most part. It doesn't allow you to get real with people. It doesn't allow you to be honest about your feelings. It doesn't allow you to be honest about where you're at. And for those of you who are like, no, I'm honest, what you get is a like. You get a thumbs up, or maybe you get some sort of reply. But when's the last time that you were actually connected with somebody outside of Facebook who posts something on Facebook that you read, and the warning bells go off, and you say, oh my gosh, and you pick up the phone. Seems weird, right? Or, you know, if you're on your Facebook on your mobile, then all you do is click over to your phone app. When's the last time you did that and actually called somebody? based on something you read on Facebook? Or when's the last time that you got in your car and you drove to see, some, excuse me, drove to see somebody 
based on something they had posted on their Facebook versus posting something on their wall or maybe a message that you could send to them. Real relationships take time, truth, and transparency. And we cannot, we as the church, cannot do community as the world does community. We have to be willing to put ourselves out there, to be involved in people's lives, and be willing to get in the mess with them, because life is messy. And all of us need someone who's willing to come alongside us and not connect through social media. Have you ever gotten a, uh, a happy birthday text <laughs> or a happy birthday voicemail, something like that? You know, at least the voicemail is an attempt to call. But, you know, is that, is that what it's come to, that we say happy birthday via a text? Now, if you don't have time or anything like that, again, it's not about judgmentalism and about uh, condemnation, about whether or not you're, you have <laughs> uh, calluses on your finger from all your, your Facebook use. That is really between you and the Holy Spirit. So just take a minute. When you leave here, after you like us on Facebook, just take a minute and, <laughs> and ask the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> I couldn't resist. Now, it stands to reason that we talk a lot about, in the church, we talk a lot about a, 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 of community. We have communion. And we like to think of ourselves as being well-connected with one another. And that is the way we should not only think, but that is the way that we should live. As the church, we ought to be the best at doing community with people. At the, we ought to be the best at connecting with people. As I already said, we ought to be the best at getting in people's lives and getting in their business. Because life as I said, it's difficult. And now, when you're getting in somebody's business, make sure that you have a relationship with them so <laughs> you're not inviting yourself in. Because again, it takes time, and it takes us to be transparent with one another. You know, the interesting thing is, is that this, just this week, I've had, been able to have some interactions with folks that deal with this very thing. And I am just, just amazed at how God is doing the very things he is speaking to us and through us about doing community and um, walking with one another. I think a good gauge of our spiritual condition or, or where we're at with people is to ask yourself that very question, is to ask yourself how you are with people. You know, are you engaged with people? Are you, when you get that text or you get that phone call from that person, do you ignore it? Do you, or do you answer it? <clears throat> it's an incredibly great way to gauge where you're at spiritually with how you're connecting with other people. Um, you know, if you work in, you know, the job I do, again, you're always constantly dealing with people. And sometimes you're not on you're not feeling it. You're not ready for people. And it causes reactions. It causes um, stress. And it causes uh, annoyance. You know, it's, uh, let's be honest. Sometimes we annoy each other. But a good gauge of our spiritual health is how is that all the time? Do you find that just people constantly annoy you? And is there a bit of complacency, I guess, 
or a bit of um, maybe even apathy when it comes to people? Is there an, uh, maybe just that struggle that happens sometimes where you're just kind of unwilling to get in it with somebody because of that time, because of that transparency? Now, this idea that our spiritual health being a gauge is not something new. If you've spent any time reading you, the Word, then you know that God knew that we would have a difficulty connecting with people, that sometimes people would be just in our face and it would be too much for us. Last week I shared a, a, a scripture about how Jesus even pulled his disciples away to get a quiet moment with them because there was just people coming and going. Throughout God's Word, he teaches us about how to deal with difficult people and things. Uh, if, we, if you have your Bible and you want to turn to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, it is up there on the screen, but if you have your Bible and you want to open there. Chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from the beginning, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, (laughs) there are two kinds of people that we will encounter. There are those that will energize us and there are those that will drain us right? Everybody likes to be around the people that energize you because there's just something about being around that person where you feel, A, maybe better about yourself. You feel more excited about your situation. Uh, You enjoy talking to them because maybe you have common interests. And so there's a connection there. Everybody loves those, right? But there is that other side. There is that other group of people that we encounter, those that drain us, those that are always, how do I say this so I don't uh, sound insensitive, but some people are walking through difficulty more than some of us. And so they maybe call you or when they always have a need or they're always, they always have a problem when they call you. And it seems like that's the only time you interact with them is when there's a problem. And that can be a drain on us because it takes time and it takes transparency. You know, there's that phrase to grin and bear it. Well, how many of you love going to the DMV? I don't expect to see any hands because I don't think any of us love to go to the DMV. So grin and bear it. You know, you go in there, you're just expecting that person to just tell you that you either don't have something, you didn't bring enough money, you're just expecting something's wrong, there's another form coming that I didn't fill out, and you feel like it's their goal just to send you away. Like, you know, the soup Nazi and, you know, no license plate for you. (laughs) Uh, Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. I urge you, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul speaking, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What does that look like to bear with one another? 
you know, you think of just that idea to bear something, to bear something. That means, you know, basically think of it this way. You're carrying something on your back. You know, if you think of, um, oh, just now I just thought of something. If you've ever seen The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, when Sam is talking to Frodo, and Frodo obviously gets very nervous when Sam looks at the ring and touches the ring, and what does he say? I may not be able to carry it for you, but I'll carry you. So think of that. Bearing with another person is not necessarily to take their burden from them, but how about walking alongside them, bearing with one another, to carry them if need be. This should be the response of the church. This should be our response to getting in another person's life, even if it's messy. Our response should be, I can't carry you, but I will help you carry this. Or, excuse me, I can't carry your burden for you, but I will carry you. I will help you carry this. And again, we should be the best at this. The Lord encourages in this word to walk in the manner worthy of the calling which we have been given and to which we were called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Who does that sound like? Me. You're right. It does sound like me. (laughs) It's Jesus, of course. He is our example. If we just take a few minutes to look at the Word of God, we can see that this is the manner, this is the life, this is the calling that we were called to, to bear with one another. Jesus never sent people away. The most unlovely people were the people that Jesus went after. Those who were the least, he made feel like the greatest. I I think of the, the beggars he reached out to, the poor, those who were physically lame, who were thought to have a demon, or were thought to be, something's wrong with you. Even the disciples who were spending time with Jesus said, Jesus, who sinned, this person's mother or a father, or a father that led them to be this way? And then there's the, one of those awesome accounts is the woman who was caught in adultery. The religious people, the church people, right? They were the ones dragging this poor woman before Jesus. Hold her accountable. Er. But Jesus, wonderfully, when they're gone, says, where are your accusers? Hmm. That's the word, that's the manner of life that we've been called to. That's the calling that we have. What we need to do is adopt a not hide and seek, but a you can run but you can't hide. I love that phrase. You can run but you can't hide. Could we be, may we be the church that is willing to You know, take a second, look to your left, look to your right. These people here, would you be willing, could you be willing to say, you can run, but you can't hide? That we would partner, I want to use real words here. We're a family. We are the family of God. It's not just a fancy thing we can maybe put on a bumper sticker or on a website. We are the family of God. If your family member came to you, and don't say yes because you ruined this point. <laughs> if your family member came to you in a desperate need, would you turn them away? 
I think all of us would say no. We are the family of God. You can run, but you can't hide. Be willing to get in somebody else's mess. If they come to you and they say, I am at my wit's end. I, I don't know what to do here. I am. If they're struggling, maybe, just maybe, they're having feelings of doubt. Am I saved? Does God even love me? Is God even real? Let's be honest. Those things are out there. A brother or a sister may be experiencing um, intense attack. They might be just having a terrible day. And would we, could we be the church that is willing to walk alongside people? Jesus said to not only go a mile with somebody, but go two. You know what they say he was talking about? Is that he was telling the Jewish people that this is how they should be towards the Romans who were oppressing them. Because often the Romans would come to them and would make them carry their stuff. So he, would, he instructed them, when they tell you to go one mile, you go two. Now, this sort of truth that this is the church who we want to be is intended to spill out to those outside of these walls and outside the walls of our churches. But the truth remains that if we inside the church don't understand the calling that we've been given and the manner in which we're to, to live with one another, how can we possibly love somebody? Read, um, can you go back to First John for me? If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Well, who's your brother? I think you guys can answer this. You guys and gals can answer this. Your brother, your sister in Christ is the people you see next to you. The people that are in other churches. Anyone who has said and made a confession of faith that Jesus Christ is their savior, they are now your brother or your sister. Jesus himself, when his mother and his brothers, can you imagine that? When his mom and his brothers roll in and they're like, Jesus, you know, you've been on tour for a while. We haven't seen you. And here they are. And you got, I think all of you know this. And Jesus says, they go, hey, Jesus, Jesus. He's probably in the middle of a, a point. This would be like my, you know, somebody coming up to me right now and saying, hey, just your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus is saying, said what? Who are my mother and my brothers? Anyone who has committed their life to Jesus Christ is a mother and a brother. You know, some of you may have be familiar with uh, the late Jerry Cook. Awesome Foursquare guy. Um, just really helped Foursquare uh, in some of the earlier years. Just an amazing pastor. Uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but I did have a chance to sit with some others and listen to him speak. And he wrote a book a long time ago, <laughs> probably when I was a wee lad, but he wrote a book a long time ago called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. And it's an awesome book because in that, he makes this statement about, I'm going to love you and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I mean, how cool would that be? And... 
he was pastoring in Oregon, and there is this exchange in the book where he's talking about just preaching, and there's bikers. There is just these rough-looking dudes who are in this, this meeting. This, I don't know if it's a church meeting or what, but they were affected by what he said. And so he tells a story about he's driving to another appointment, and <laughs> these bikers are coming up alongside of him. And he's... phone was ringing. That was weird. Sorry. <laughs> yes, Jesus. <laughs> so he tells us, he tells the story about how he's driving and it's afternoon, nighttime, and there's these bikers riding up and he's getting nervous because he's just, you know, plain old white guy and there's these bikers riding up. He wasn't a mean or aggressive guy or anything like that. And they come up alongside him and he couldn't, so he finally rolls down the window because they're like, you know, pull over, roll down your window. He's like, ah. So he finally he does it at the leading of the Spirit. And there's this exchange between this big burly biker guy and Jerry Cook, how he tells him the impact, <clears throat> excuse me, tells him of the impact that his message had on him and how it changed this guy's life forever and how this guy went on just to lead other people to Christ, other bikers, other rough people who you would not think would be the first ones to church, but were. I mean, how cool is that? How amazing is that? That's the kind of church that we want to be. Amen? Our society, the world, will, says, I love you, but I don't have to like you. Or, I can recall one of the years that the Red Sox were awful, there was this statement that was going around about the clubhouse that Basically, they don't have to like each other. They just have to get along. Or we may have to work together, but I don't have to like you. What does that even mean? Isn't that, isn't that phrase just so crazy? I don't have to love you. I, don't, I may have to work with you, but I don't have to love you. There um, is this gentleman by the name of Tyler Edwards who wrote this book called Zombie Church. And <laughs> this is what he said. Unlovely people are unlovely for a reason. It's not because they are unlovable, but because they are unloved. And so the book, Zombie Church, was really all about how the church is basically kind of walking around like zombies. Like there's just, there's nothing there. And how true is that? Unlovely people are unlovely for a reason. Do you know anybody who is that drain on your life, who... They just walk with their head down because I've tried, I've tried to change, I just can't change. And you can tell that they carry this burden with them, that they're trying to not be a drain. And so they don't involve themselves. They don't connect because they're weighed down by guilt or they're weighed, by, weighed down by just their self-esteem has been wrecked by the enemy and they feel unloved. Now, I'm talking straight up right now tonight about our church, about the people that we go to church with. There may be some of us in here tonight who feel like that unlovely person. God is calling us. The calling we have received is to come alongside one another, to bear each other's burdens for the purpose of being made more in his image, for the purpose of seeing people become all that God has called them to be.
Last week, again, I preached on being in the Word, being in the Word of God, and how one of the things we do at Grace Capital is about journaling and, and the value of being involved with other people and just journeying through the Word with them. I started my sermon by talking about a prayer event and sharing a story about the staff and the pastors here. I personally feel that this prayer event, the sermons and the words that God has preached through speakers on this platform and to this church, and I would expect to other, other places as well, that God is leading us somewhere. He is directing us somewhere. The last number of weeks that we've been in this building have been so great. It's just been such an amazing atmosphere. People hanging out and talking together and just having a good time together, dancing and just having a good time. Absolutely amazing, wonderful. Thank you, Jesus, for those moments. And I feel like God is leading us in a particular direction, that he's calling us to something. We feel very strongly in this church that we are here in this building because there are a number of people right around us that need to hear about this amazing truth and this gospel that we have. And God wants us to enjoy this time, this time of connecting, this time of energy and excitement in him, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Because I believe that God is calling us to the work that he's called us to. And when it's time to do the work, it's time to do the work. And I'm not just saying this because it sounds good for my sermon, but I know that there will be, I've even confessed to people and said to people that there are going to be trials and difficulties ahead. Not, you know, God handles what kind of trials you face. But as we do life together, there are going to be difficulties that we're going to have to endure. And the Lord wants us to remember these times of fun and these times of excitement and these times of joy because that is what connects us together. As I said last week, no one has a problem going to a party. Oh, you want to go to a party? We all love having a good time. And when it's in the house of God and we're having a good time and the Holy Spirit, and you're just like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. Remember that, because when we are walking out what God has called us to, when we're doing the work of the ministry, and it isn't fun, and maybe the slides aren't working, or maybe the speaker isn't dynamic, or not that I'm saying that about myself, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> maybe the worship was off, and it just wasn't, oh, I didn't really like the songs this week, you know, something like that. There was no creamer for my coffee. You know, who knows? It's those moments when life becomes difficult, when we're in the mess with not only each other, but the people around here. We all know what it's like to be unlovely, right? Scripture tells us in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We all have our own list. I want mine to be shorter than I expected to be. So when, you know, we're in eternity and God is asking me to give an account, I don't want any of you to be like, wow, is Kevin still in there? <laughs> Still in the throne room. It's been a thousand years. I say all that to say, and please hear me out. Advertising the things we do as a church is not so the church leaders can feel better about themselves and say, wow, aren't we great? Look at our cool little programs. But in a few weeks, we're going to be launching our life groups. And that's a vital, vital part of what we do. If you want to think of it as a small group, churches all over America and in the world have small groups because there is value in those things. 
Now, here at Grace Capital, we value life groups because, I mean, the name itself, life group. What is a life group? It is not just a boring Bible study where you go and you sit and you learn something and maybe you have a snack that you don't like and you go home. You know, once upon a time, life groups used to be called cell groups. Not because it's a prison. (laughs) But because at the very basic part of the body, our cells. We are asking every one of you to pray and consider your involvement in a life group. Because guess what? That is where life happens. These moments are awesome. I love the fact that I get to stand here and just share the word of God and everyone's looking at me. (laughs) But the truth is, is that we don't have enough time to be able to get in each other's lives. We don't have enough time to help somebody through something in the time that we have. It's not necessarily the purpose of what we do here. But that's what life groups are for. How many of you have been a part of a life group before, or even a small group of any kind? So a lot of us know the value of that. I have developed amazing friendships from people that I have connected with in a life group, in a small group. And so life group is really a smaller version of our community where people are coming together. They're sharing about Christ together. They're sharing the word together. They're maybe worshiping together. They're sharing food together. And they're sharing life together. Boy, that sounds a lot like something I've read before. Oh, yeah. When the church was first launched, I'm pretty sure that when they gathered together in one another's homes, there was the breaking of bread. There was the, everything was shared amongst everyone. No one had a need. And the scripture says that there was many more who were being added to their numbers, who were being saved. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit was present in these groups where there was people who were loving one another the way that we have been loved by our Savior. So in a few weeks, we're going to be launching our life groups. Would you please, if you are not involved in a life group, would you pray and consider your role in this vital part of our church? Would you consider maybe leading or hosting? Would you consider and pray at being involved in one? Because I tell you what, I want you I want you to be the person that when you're not here, someone is sad. I want you to be that person that when you don't come to church, because of the life you have created with people outside of this building, that someone is visibly upset when you're not here. Oh, man, they're not here tonight. And then when you see them again, you're overjoyed and you're excited. How cool would that be? What would that mean for not only your life, for the life of this church, but for the life of the people who are yet to come? Because the truth is, is that that is what is going to attract people to the gospel. And that's the only reason why we're doing this, right? If I wanted to do this sort of thing, I would go on TED Talks and I would just put a video on YouTube or something. But that's not why we do this. We do this because all of us have encountered a holy, wonderful, loving God and we understand that our mission, our joy, our privilege, our, our eternal reward is to hear the, our Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Mr. Forrest. Uh, if you don't know, uh, this is Nate in Lucerno. Yes. 
He is our life group director. Now, if you're, out, <laughs> if you're outside in a woody area, I don't want you to be concerned if you can't see the forest through the trees. <laughs> His last name is Forrest. Sorry, I should have said Nate Forrest. And then the joke would have made sense to everybody. <laughs> He's our life group director. We have other life group leaders. Life group leaders, if you're here, would you please stand up? If you don't mind, or at least wave your hand if you're a life group leader. So we have some leaders, hosts. Any hosts in the room? Yeah. <laughs> Would the real life group leaders please stand up? So there's a few of us. But this is what we're after. We're after about um, getting other leaders, other hosts involved. Because again, we're a body and we want to share So in a few weeks, we're launching life groups. God has something amazing planned for the life groups. That's why I say that now. Because Grace Capital is super clever and awesome and all that. It's because this is what God has called us to in this moment. So if you have questions about life groups, you want to know where they are, that kind of stuff, you're interested and maybe already you're like, well, I guess I could host, I guess I could lead. See Nate in Lucerno and get some, um, he would love. This is a passionate young man, passionate couple, I should say. Uh, And they are just amazing if you don't already know that. I'm just going to take a few minutes to pray, uh, and then that'll be it. (laughs) Let me say this. I was thinking about this. What I'd like to do is not only pray about what we've shared tonight, but what I'd like to do is give you an opportunity, me an opportunity, if you are walking through something that's difficult right now, and you need someone to pray with you. And you just want to talk it out. Because again, if you go keep it to yourself and you go hide somewhere, God doesn't want bunker Christians, you know. So if you want some prayer for something, please, prayer leaders, those uh, who are prayer leaders, just come stand up the front as I pray. And if you want prayer for anything, let's work that out. Let's um, pray that out together. So, Father, I just uh, thank you and praise you for this evening. I thank you and praise you that uh, you know all things, that, that you loved us, God, when we were unlovely. That when we weren't here and we had nothing to share and we had nothing to offer, that you came to us, much like that, that woman, and you gave us everything. You lifted us up out of the dirt. And you gave us life. And you don't accuse us because you went to the cross for us so that we would be free from accusation. And Lord, I thank you that you've set us free through your life that was given on the cross. And you call us to great things so that we can share in what you're doing. And we can receive glory and honor because of what you've given us so that we can turn that back to glory and honor for you. God, would you just impress upon our hearts the value and the necessity to be connected with each other in intimate ways. God, would you connect us together in a way that is obvious so that when people look at us, when they look at this church, they will make the same claim that was made a long time ago, that by our unity and by our love for one another, they would know that we are yours and that you are here. And Lord, I thank you and praise you for everyone here. Thank you and praise you for the staff and the leadership we have. And we love you and we praise you and we thank you. 
In your mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com. Thank you.